Hebrews chapter 5, verse 11. Hebrews chapter 5, verse 11. This is a passage I talked about a lot of times when I was youth pastor. And I talked about it because one of my prayers as a youth pastor was, God, let these kids be spiritually mature beyond their years. Let them have vision and insight beyond their years. Listen to what it says. About this we have much to say and it is hard to explain since you have become dull of hearing. For though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you again the basic principles of the oracles of God. You need milk, not solid food. For everyone who lives on milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness since he is a child. But solid food is for the mature, for those who have their powers of discernment trained by constant practice to distinguish good from evil. Therefore, let us leave the elementary teachings of Christ and go on to maturity, not laying again the foundation of repentance from dead works and of faith toward God. Father, I thank you for your word tonight and pray you would let us grow in maturity and health and be a people that, Father, we don't have to go back and cover the same things over and over again, but that we understand and we, we walk and live in them and help others walk in them as well. So, Father, give us freedom in this word and let your truth come to bear in the heart exactly where you would have it to hit tonight in my life and the life of the hearers here today. Bless them for being here. Fill them with your joy. And let us, Father, walk in the maturity of your spirit in Jesus' name. Amen. I learned a lot about raising kids as a youth pastor. There were parents who saw their kids way more mature than they were. They entrusted them with decisions they shouldn't have entrusted them with. They let them make life-altering decisions. My dad used to say to me from time to time, he'd make a decision for me and I'd complain about it. And he'd say, son, you can do it happy or you can do it crying, but that's what you're going to do. What was he saying? I'm the decision maker. I'm the decision maker. You're not the decision maker. And as parents who, who, who begin to let their children make decisions way above their pay grade, way above their years of experience. Let them have freedom way beyond what they should have, entrusted at times when they should have been overseeing them at times. Say, well, they're 16, what can you do? You can be their parent. That's what you can do. You can make a decision. Well, they won't like it. My, my dad, again, my dad always told me that he wasn't there to be my happy director. He wasn't there to make me happy. He was there to make me do the right thing. You know, the, the bottom line is a parent wants their child to be happy, but that's not what drives the decision. That's a sign of immaturity. And the parent, when that's going on. There were others who made the exact opposite end of the, of, of the spectrum. They never saw their kids as maturing. Times going into the youth group, usually it would be a mom, would come up and say, 
Oh, my, my, my kid's way too young to go on the youth group. They don't understand all the social skills and they're not into boys or they're not into girls or they're not into this or they're not into the Usually, 99 times out of 100, the parent was just simply naive. The kid knew way more than they were letting on to mom and dad. The kid had way more interest than mom and dad knew they had. Some of you, if you think back when you were a teenager... That's where you were. You didn't want mom and dad to know what you were interested in. Didn't show everything. Didn't show them all your cards. And you sit there and you say, oh, they're still naive. <laughs> Let me tell you, in this day and age, there's very few of them that are still naive. Very few in this day and age that are still naive. And so you've got both ends of that spectrum. For the most part, the maturing process is gradual and it needs proper nurturing. You test the process with little freedoms, not big freedoms. You watch how they react to you and you judge how mature they are when you say no. What kind of a conversation you can have and how worked up they get. You watch how they respond to others, what happens in their life. You see how they handle responsibilities. You explain the responsibilities. This is what I expected. This is what I want your grades to be like. This is how much I want you to work. I'm here to help you. If you have a problem, come and see me. You see how they handle responsibilities. I want you to keep your room clean. I want you to do this, that, or the other. I want you to take responsibility for the dog or to get the trash out. And you see, how do they handle responsibilities? And when they don't handle them, and then they say, trust me with more. I say, wait a second, wait a second. You can't even get the trash taken out every week. You, you want me to give you the keys of the car? And let you run around all night? <laughs> show me, show me that you can handle responsibility. Teach me that you can handle responsibility. And you let it unfold. You talk a lot about responsibility, about what's right and wrong. What, when they do something, what do you think when they do something wrong? This is one of the questions I always ask my kids, when they did something, what do you think that shows me? As a youth pastor, a kid would do something, say, what do you think that tells me about you? What do you think that shows me? It shows me you're not ready for more responsibility. Listen, I'm not trying to, I'm not trying to hold you into being a baby. Some, some parents do. They try to hold their children into being babies. I am glad for you to grow up and take responsibility. But I'm not just throwing the doors open. You've got to prove to me in the things I give you now that you can handle the bigger things tomorrow. If you can't do that, why should I trust you with more? On the other side, when they do it well, you've handled that well. You've done that well. Good job. I really appreciate the way you're taking care of the dog every day, and I don't have to ask you about it. I'm going to give you a little bit more responsibility. I'm going to give you a little more freedom because I can trust you. You've proven something to me. Now, don't let me down, or we'll roll right back to where we're at. I used to tell kids coming into the youth group, I'd just get them all together. New, when a new class would graduate, we'd have them over to our house and sit them down. They'd eat everything in the house. And I'd sit them before the end of the night and I'd say, listen, you're coming into the, coming into the oasis tomorrow night. 
just want to tell you, you determine how I'm going to treat you. If you go in there and act like a grade schooler, you're poking your buddy and you're talking and you're acting like a grade schooler, I will treat you like a grade schooler. Guarantee our youth leaders will treat you like a great, they will come separate you, they will come, that we will talk to your parents, we will move you, we will do all these things that you won't like. And you'll sit and say, I'm too old for this. And we'll say, then act like it. Act like it. Now, if you act like a responsible person, if you come into the youth group and you act responsibly, then we'll treat you like a young man and young woman. You determine how you're going to be treated. I have had that talk with hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of kids over the years. And most of them got it. Few of them didn't get it. Most of them got it. Most of them understood, hey, he's going he's to treat us the way we act, man. And somebody start goofing off, they say, hey, I don't want any part of this. I don't want to be treated like a great schooler anymore. I don't want to be in that place. Especially if they had an older brother or sister that was looking at them saying, listen, man, they're not going to mess with you here. If you, if you, act, if you don't do what they say, it's, it's, you're going to be embarrassed. And the message would come and maturity would come. What are we talking about? We're not talking about parenting tonight. We're talking about Christian maturity. Christian maturity develops much the same way as social maturity. Through our experiences and our responses through development. Sadly, some people never capture maturity in life or in spirit. They're unstable in their life. They're unstable in their workplace. They're unstable in their spirit. They're spiritually immature. They're easily moved and shaken and upset. And they're not mature. And some people are the very same way in their spiritual life. You've got to just kind of baby them along and Wrap your arms around them and pat them on the say, it's okay, you know, I know you're 59 years old, but baby, we're going to get you through this. We know that person didn't smile at you yesterday. I know, I know, it's tough. It's hard. Come on now, we're going to get through this. I know, I know, I know it didn't turn out the way you wanted it to, but some people never grow up spiritually. It's really a sad thing, isn't it? I don't want to be that person. Now, when a church, a church can have real trouble, real trouble, when the people working in the church, especially if the leaders of the church are spiritually immature. Real trouble happens when you get people in places of authority, people in places of influence that are not mature believers. I've been so blessed in this church. My dad did such a great job of establishing leadership in this church and the men and the women that were in leadership positions. My mom and dad did such a great job with that that, you know, I, 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 that, that our boards, boy, we've just been blessed with, with mature leaders. Uh, with people who sit there and aren't shaken by the circumstance of the moment but have faith 
people who are thinking about what's best for the kingdom and not running any personal agenda. Uh, people who come in there with an understanding they have a responsibility before God. They want to add their wisdom to it, their righteousness to it, but they also want to hear what God's saying. And, and many times in, in many of those board meetings that guys will ask me before or after, what do you think God's saying to us, Pat? What do you th- Here's what I think God's saying. And it's just, it, it's, it makes for... In, in tough circumstances sometimes, when hard decisions are having, to be made, are having to be made sometimes, it makes for peace. Because everybody's, the goal is about pleasing God. And I'll tell you, I've, I've had to go and I've been invited to come into some other churches. And this has been my whole church experience here. But I've been invited into other churches to help them through time, a time of crisis or a time of need and walked in and sat down with boards where it was a... I just found myself sitting there in some, of the, some meetings going, how in the world did that guy get on the board? And sometimes the church is so small, they're just picking the next guy up. And he has no business being in a place of leadership. But he's, he's available. You can't pick Christian leaders on who's available. The available person may be the person the devil put there. And it can just stir all kinds of heartache and pain for you. So there has to be some maturity inside of all of this. And so we should be working. One, I want to encourage you, pray for our board and pray for our leaders that there's maturity there. And it continues to be there. Now, all of us should be working towards maturity. Because maturity, immaturity down through the fellowship causes pain and dissension and a lack of peace as well. So here's a couple of tips. One, as he said in this scripture, there needs to be the power of discernment. This is the ability to sense in your spirit that something is not right here. Now, I want to tell you, I don't necessarily think there's something really magical about this. I think this comes from paying attention. I think it comes from being a maturing believer who pays attention to experiences and pays attention to boundaries. Discernment begins to identify the motive in that moment. Why is this person doing this? This comes many times from history of knowing, you know, circumstances like this or or the person themselves. And what is the outcome of this decision going to be? How is this really going to glorify God? For the spiritually mature, the end is this. Does this reflect the will of God? It's not about whether, is this comfortable? It's not about whether uh, uh, it makes a lot of times logical sense in the moment. What it's about is, is this reflect the will of God? Is this where God's leading us? Is this what God's saying to us? Is this how God would have us to react? When I stand before God, do I want him to judge me this way? How do I want him to judge me on this decision? And you begin to recognize that. Does this reflect the will of God? The right end has to always be the goal. What is the best for the kingdom? And circumstances are not always the guide. 
But the discerned will of God is the guide. Last week we talked about this a little bit when we talked about the fact that the Israel was led by God to the Red Sea with the mountains on each side. Led by God there, the Bible says. He took them to that very place and they acted immaturely. After all of their experiences with God, all the things God has done for them, they get to that point and they say, well, there are not enough graves in, in Egypt. He gets them through the Red Sea and they think, okay, now they're, they're going to get it now. And it's not three days and they're ready to go back to Egypt again. And God gives them a few months of reprieve and sends them out again and it's not three more days and they're right back at the same place ready to kill Moses. Return to Egypt. These people never grew up. They never grew up. Time and time and time again, God delivers them all the way till they get to the promised land and they go into the promise, send the spies in the promised land. The promise, the ten of them come back and go, wow, this is way too big. Everything's been too big to this point in time. Everything's been outside of their reach to this point in time. Everything's been too powerful for them up until this time. Oh, it's too powerful. We're going to get killed if we go in. Only two of them said, wait a second, guys. Haven't you learned anything about what's been happening to us? If God's done all, done all that, he'll take care of this. That's maturity. That group of people never got it. And God finally said, there's a bunch of yay who's there. I can't even take them into the promised land. I'm going to send them back out in the desert for 40 years until another generation grows up. And they come to this point in time. So we've got to learn from this. Listen to verse 14. But solid food is for the mature, for those who, who have their powers of discernment, listen, trained by constant practice, trained by constant practice to distinguish good from evil. The constant things in our life prepare us, teach us the good from the evil. We should learn from the, the things in life and from trusting in God and seeing his deliverance in our life. I want to tell you, this is what I have seen in our church. I have sat with people upset, crying over how somebody had treated them or somebody had gossiped about them. Upset. I mean, they're not knowing whether they're going to stay in the church or leave the church or what they're going to do because this person has said such terrible things about me and they've treat, they, they treat me so badly. They won't, all, they won't talk to me. And, you know, you're trying to, okay, you know, okay, I understand they're not very mature. You know, what do you want me to do? I'll talk to them. And you're trying to help them. And then a year goes by and this person that gossiped about them is gossiping to them about somebody else undermining somebody else and they buy it hook, line, and sinker and get involved with them. And you're sitting there going, wait a second. A year ago, they were ripping your teeth out. And now you're a part of helping them rip somebody else's teeth out. 
What's that all about? That's immaturity. That's immaturity. That, that's not being able to learn from constant practice. Wait a second. You're talking to me about them? I remember when you were talking to other people about me. I remember when you were doing this to me. And they, they haven't learned. They haven't picked it up. They haven't learned. Oh, this, this person's always doing this kind of thing. Spiritual maturity has the ability. This is one of the hardest things. Spiritual maturity has the ability to not submit to the pressure of the moment. How many, of you, how many times have we said this as parents? Why did you do that? Well, everybody else was doing it. If they all jumped off a, a cliff, would you jump off too? What are we saying to them? Would, if they were doing something, some other ridiculous thing, would you do what they're doing? No. Maturity has the ability to say, you're jumping off a what? Are you crazy? I'm not doing that. I'm not doing that. But boy, that, it seems so easy in theory, doesn't it? But when you're sitting at a table with 10 or 15 people and they're cutting up and it's the biggest gossip that you've ever met in your life is telling some story and it's funny and it's lighthearted, but it's ripping somebody to pieces and undermining authority and, and, and yet they're funny and they're because the, the devil's not boring. You understand that? The devil's not boring. He can, say, he, can, he can inspire it in a funny way and he can give people in a funny And they're telling this thing and everybody else is laughing. It takes, some, it, it takes some maturity to go, time out, everybody. This is out of order. Especially when you know that the leader's not going to take it. They're going to turn their guns on you. But the spiritually mature goes, you can shoot at me all you want to. I'm not being a part of this. So I say, well, I, I've had people say, well, I got, I, what do you do? I said, what do you do? What do you do? And they said, I got up and I walked away. Really? You walked away. Well, good for you. Bad for the person they were talking about. Bad for the thing they were ripping into. God needed somebody to look and say, that's not the truth. God wanted somebody to step up and say, that is really out of order. This is really the wrong place for this. If you really have those concerns, it's the right place to do it. It's not here. You're, you're hurting everybody at this table, and you're hurting, hurting the work of the kingdom. You're hurting the church. What are you doing? Oh, but they would, they would have attacked me. Maybe so. Maybe so. But haven't you had your kids look at you when, when, I'll never speak to you again. I'll never play with you again. I'll never do, what are they? They're just immature little kids talking to you and just look at them and go, that's fine, Sonny, that's fine. You'll be back around wanting ice cream in a few minutes and we'll go get it. You'll be okay. You'll change your mind before bedtime. Take some, the church needs to be filled with people with the maturity to say what is right for the kingdom and to discern in the middle of the conversation, this ain't it, and I'm not sitting here while it goes on. I'm not sitting here while it goes on. 
If you say, you know, people just have the freedom to come dump all their junk in my ear. Why? Why do they feel the freedom to, junk, to dump their gossip and their anger and their frustration in your ear? Because you haven't stopped it. You haven't said, wait a second. <laughs> I'm not your trash can. I don't want to be filled with your trash. Now, if you want to deal with that, I will go with you to whoever we need to go to to deal with it. But don't come dump your junk in my ear. Let me tell you what. You feel cleaner when you stop it. Is this good tonight? Are you getting this? The church has to be filled with spiritual maturity. We have to get past the immature. Listen, if God does for us what I think he wants to do for us, he's going to bring all kinds of people into our church from every kind of background you can imagine. And they, they may come in and get saved and be sincere, but they're going to be immature. And as they walk in all their immaturity, they don't need to meet a bunch of other people who are immature. We've got to be mature. Amen? Amen? We've got to be ready to say, come on, let's, let's, you know, let's, let's take care of this. Let me show you how Christians deal with this. I know that's your old world. You're in a new world now. We've got a better way now. Come on now. Let me show you what a Christian acts like. Let me show you how a believer deals with that. And you discern what's going on and you walk them through the most. Spiritual maturity has the, ab the ability to discern intent. Spiritual, and that comes from practice. Recognition, understanding. You'll find yourself hearing words and you'll, it may not be the same person. I want, I want to really key in on this for a second. You'll find yourself hearing words and hearing things at coming out of the mouth of somebody who may be sincere, just a baby in Christ. And you'll remember, I remember other people used to talk that way. I remember when I used to talk that way. Hey, brother. Let me, and what are you doing? You're beginning to discern what's going on. This is an immature believer talking in an immature way. Let me put my arm around him. Let me help him. Let me get him through this. But you've got to be able to discern that conversation. You've got to be able to see it. Spiritual maturity has the ability to make decisions based on their experience with God. That's what the Israelites never learned. They never began to look at things through the experience of what God had done for them. And spiritual maturity makes decisions based on proper boundaries. Proper boundaries. I get, I was talking with a friend of mine this week, I, I probably get contacted once or twice a week by some ministry wanting us to give them money for something. And there's just certain questions that I instantly ask. Who are you affiliated with? Who holds you accountable in life? Uh, who's on your board? What happens, what's your constitution say happens when uh, this ministry comes to an end? Oh, so when it comes to an end and we help you build this $5,000 new building or $10,000 new building, you get all the money. You sell it and it's yours. Don't think so. It's not, we're, not, we're not investing in your retirement. We're investing in ministry. 
It's just, it's just knowing boundaries. You, you just begin to say, listen, I, I, you know, I remember there was a radio station a number of years ago down south, and, and, and a guy had raised this thing up, and he'd raised all the money from, from the people listening on there, raised millions of dollars to pay for it. Then he, and I, th- I frankly, I think this should be illegal. He ended up selling, nonprofit organization, selling it to another pro- nonprofit organization. They paid him millions of dollars to take it. You know what they ended up then doing? Going to the same, very same listeners and saying, we need to pay for this now. They'd already paid for it once. He shouldn't have been able to sell it to some other company. It should have been under a board of leaders that that ministry would go on when he went on. This building doesn't belong to me. If something happens to this church or happens to me, I don't get to sell it and keep the profit. Shouldn't be that way. So you, you just learn boundaries and you ask the right questions. Just like if you're going to, you know, some of you may be given to some organization out there that you've heard on TV that's really good. Have you asked them, some, what is your doctrinal beliefs? What do you believe? Do the kids getting fed in this program, do they he- ever hear about Jesus or don't they? Because guess what? There's a lot of great feeding programs that will not only feed the kids but tell them about Jesus. So you just begin to mature and ask the right questions and grow in the boundaries of your life. Okay. Spiritual maturity requires that we repent from dead works. And I'm going to stop right there and we're going to come back next week and talk about the rest of this. I want to let let all of this soak soak in to you tonight. And I want us to pray. God, help us to see the places in life where I need to spiritually mature in you. Because let me tell you what. God wants to raise up men and women who are like Joshua and Caleb who can see and walk in maturity, who will respond in maturity who won't be shaken by every little bit. Learn to discern and learn to grow and learn to walk in the unity of the Spirit. I have a lot more to say about this, but I'm going to save it till next Wednesday. Is that okay with everybody? All right. I want to invite you just to stand and come down to the altar tonight, and we're just going to pray. God wants you to be a mature pillar in the middle of a crumbling world. He wants us to be a people that when new believers come into the fellowship, our maturity, our strength, our wisdom helps them grow past all of the junk that destroys relationships and destroys their lives. Some of you in this room, you're you're really young Christians. I would just encourage you to understand, as a young Christian, you're not born mature physically, you're not born again mature spiritually. You're fully born again. But you've got to learn how to live in a new kingdom. And you're sitting here today, and, and 
you're, you're a new Christian. Nobody's picking on you. Nobody's looking, oh, you're, you're a new Christian. You're, you, know, you should know better. No, we, we don't think you should know better. We think you should be growing. Some of you have been Christians for many, many years. And you should be investing. We've done two things since we moved in this building that are really, we've really encouraged our high schoolers to get involved on Sunday morning in children's ministry and others to get involved in choirs. And we've done that very intentionally because we've wanted to put teenagers, not only because in, in places where maybe they can pick something up easier than the rest of us can, but listen, if you're in those departments with them, build relationship with them. 59% of the teenagers in evangelical churches across America today are leaving the church when they leave high school. 59%. The one statistic that transitions that and changes it and turns it around is when they, when they have one solid adult Christian friend that's not a family member. One. It can't be a family member. For some strange reason, it can't be. It's got to be somebody that's not a family member. So you have these families who try to kind of, you know, oh, I'm going to protect my kids and keep on. Doesn't work. For some reason, that's just, that, that doesn't get the job done. But if they meet somebody outside of their family that's an adult that they see as a friend that will invest in their life, pay attention to them, talk to them, that they can go talk to about the, there's something that just kind of builds a foundation in them from that day forward. And so that's part of the reason why we're doing this is to kind of give them the opportunity to be around adults. As we look at this new youth ministry thing we want to do, we are looking for ways to say, how do we put teenagers next to mature Christian adults? How do we train Christian adults to, in a very mature way, build relationship with them for their future? Because we understand this is how God passes this thing on. Are parents important? Absolutely. Absolutely. I'll tell, I'll tell you this and we'll pray. When I was a youth pastor, the, the best thing in the world to have was a mom and dad who were mature enough to know Johnny or Susie isn't always perfect. Love them. But I, I, I always knew I had something when, when, when a parent would walk in and say, Pastor, I love my kid. I want them to live for God. If they mess up, call me. <laughs> I knew we were going to smooth, the, the sailing there was going to be pretty smooth. I knew I wasn't gonna, probably wasn't going to ever have to call them. Because they, Johnny and Susie usually know, you call mom and dad and <laughs> it's, not a good, it's not a good thing. And I've, I've looked at many of them over the years and said, I'm going to call your dad if you do that one more time. Pastor, I'm, no, no more of that. No more of that. On the other side, if my second choice was a kid who didn't have any relatives that were Christians. Nobody was living, saying they were living for God. The worst thing to have was a kid whose parents were halfway committed. Because you know what that kid thought? He thought, well, when dad gets mad and cusses everybody out at the home, well, pastor probably does that too. That's the way all these people in here act. Look, 
they're all worshiping the way my dad is. Look, he's a leader in this place. And all the they just assume everybody's like dad. Everybody's like mom. Let's assume it. You get that kid whose parents don't come to church at all, don't love God at all. He comes to church, he gets saved. He knows he can't look at mom or dad. He has to find somebody else. He looks for somebody else because he knows mom and dad can't be my, I love my mom and dad, but they can't be my spiritual model. So the immature parents is, is the hardest one to get that kid to really love God. That's the hardest one. Because mom and dad are immature. And so I, I just want to challenge you. Let's grow in maturity. Discernment. Read this passage. Weigh it out. Think it. It comes from experience. It comes from constant training to say, you know what? I'm not going to be shaken by the things of this world. I'm not going to act like this world. I'm going to set dead works aside. I'm going to walk in the joy of the Spirit of God. I'm going to walk in maturity. I'm going to be mature in, the, in my faith. I'm going to stop conversations that need to be stopped. I'm going to encourage righteous ones that need to be encouraged. I'm going to do what's mature here in every set of circumstances. Is this a good word tonight? Father, I thank you for the men and women here today. I believe they're here because they want to be mature. I believe many of them in this church already are. I pray for the new believers that they'll just grow in this. They'll just begin to flourish in this. They'll find believers around them to help them mature and, and flourish. And I pray for mature believers that we'll look in our, around this place and we'll start looking for connections with young people. Whether it's a 20-year-old or a high schooler or a grade schooler that's working in our department around us that we can build a righteous friendship with that they'll look to us, Father, throughout life and we'll help be a foundation in them to see them mature in you. Father, raise up, continue to raise up mature leadership in this church, that our boards, our leadership, our, our places of ministry will always be filled with mature, discerning spiritual leaders. In Jesus' name. Everybody said... Amen. I'm going to finish this message next Wednesday night, all right? God bless you. Go in the name of the Lord. May his joy be in your heart.